to None Dare Call It Ordinary, the podcast that digs into the unusual, unorthodox, and downright unsettling beliefs found at the depths of the internet and the heights of paranoia. I'm your host, Dylan, and with me is the QAnon-pilled Forrest and the Quillette-reading Brent. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm mean, sorry. I was uh, too busy oh, on 8chan beautiful. reading about the new messages coming out. I believe that Donald Trump had what seems to be 30 misspelled words in his newest tweet, but actually they are uh, signals about the incoming arrests of the Pizzagate people. Damn. Forrest, you really got to quit it. You got to quit it. You got to take a break. Take a break from A-Chan for like a couple days, come back to us, and then maybe you'll be back. Yeah, you know, I think I need to just really really rethink my life at this point yeah rethink a lot of things All right. and by the way brent also uh rethink reading too much quillette also i will try thank you and also just a reminder to all of our listeners we will have a new bonus episode coming out this week if you sign up for only five dollars a month on patreon you'll get access to our bonus episodes and our newest one is all about man on the run john mcafee <laughs> we covered him in our second crypto craziness episode but he's got a lot going on besides his involvement in cryptocurrencies. And if you want to learn all these sorted details, $5 a month on Patreon, you'll be able to listen to all of it. You do not want to miss it. Yeah. You don't. More, more than just his dick is on the line. Let's just say that. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so what are we talking about today, Dylan? Well, today we are talking about a 2020 Democratic primary candidate Marianne Williamson. There's been a lot of buzz about her recently. And so we wanted to cover her and specifically some of her background because there's a lot of stuff going on. She had a, a decent performance at the second debate. A lot of people liked it. Other people are highlighting her anti-vax, thinking sickness is just thinking wrong beliefs, which are kind of silly. But we want to go to the core. What's at the core of Marianne Williamson's New Age beliefs? And at the core is a book, you might not have heard about it, A Course in Miracles, which was a kind of New Testament, New Age spiritual book that came out in the 70s and took the world by storm. So let's talk first about the authors or quote unquote authors, as we'll get into in a second. They are Drs. Helen Shuckman and Bill Thetford. And they both worked in the psychology department of the Columbia Presbyterian Medical Center. And that's right. A new age spiritual guide was written by two doctorates in psychology working at a medical center. So already, I would have never guessed that. I would have lost that bet. Yeah. Yeah. I never I would have guessed it either. So before A Course in Miracles, neither was very spiritual. And Shuckman herself explicitly describes herself as, quote, atheistic in belief. Mm. Their working relationship was marred by their conflicting personalities. Shuckman was critical and judgmental, while Thetford was quiet and passive-aggressive. By the spring of 1965, Thetford was fed up and told Shuckman that, quote, there must be another way of living without all the acrimony between themselves and their colleagues in the psychology department. Despite her overly critical personality, Shuckman agreed with Thetford and was willing to collaborate with him to figure out just how to do this, to live and work in harmony. So how do they go about this? Well, right after deciding to collaborate with Thetford on this new way of living, Shuckman began experiencing changes in her mental life. She began to experience, quote, heightened dream imagery, psychic episodes, visions, 
and an experience of an inner voice. Ah, so schizophrenia, got it. Well, 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 maybe, or maybe she's channeling somebody. But, you know, we can't take schizophrenia off the table. Satoshi? She's channeling Satoshi. Well. (laughs) Someone a little less If he was born yet, I don't know. Okay. These new experiences took a religious turn, and Jesus himself appeared in both visual and auditory experiences. Then, on October 21st, 1965, Shookman's life changed forever when Jesus spoke to her in her mind's ear and said, quote, this is a course in miracles. Please take notes. Isn't your mind's ear just your ear? Uh, no, no, no. That's your brain's ear. Oh, the brain is physical. The mind is non-physical. Get it right. That's true. And technically, it's not your brain's ear. It's your entire head's ear. I'm not sure who owns the ear. It's confusing. No, I believe the uh, property rights do belong to the brain. Okay. I believe if okay, the brain and the head sense. were to get a divorce, <laughs> the brain would get the ear. That makes sense. So Shukman originally thought, as we all might think, that she was losing her mind. And so she called Thetford right away. Thetford told her that she definitely wasn't losing her mind <laughs> and that she should do what the voice asked and to begin dictating what the voice was telling her. Keyword, definitely. Good doctor. And those dictations would eventually become a course in miracles. Shukman later described what it was like to hear this voice and the dictation process. Quote, The voice made no sound, but seemed to be giving me a kind of rapid inner dictation, which I took down in a shorthand notebook. The writing was never automatic. It could be interrupted at any time and later picked up again. It made obvious use of my educational background, interests, and experience, but that was in matters of style rather than content. Certainly, the subject matter itself was the last thing I would have expected to write about. So since the voice made no sound, I think we all know where this is going. It's part of the same all-powerful invisible entity along with the invisible hand we heard about in the crypto series i trust all things that are silent and invisible personally dedicate your life to them if we learned anything from the crypto series you should always trust the invisible hand although in her case the hand dictating was very visible you could very easily (laughs) see it moving about over the next seven years shuckman would dictate what the voice told her and thetford would type it out these seven years produced not only the main text a course in miracles but also the workbook for students and the manual for teachers. So what is A Course in Miracles? Although A Course in Miracles is explicitly Christian, being a dictation of Jesus after all, it deals with, quote, universal spiritual themes. There is also something of a warning about the contents of the book in the workbook for students, quote, Some of the ideas the workbook presents you will find hard to believe, and others may seem to be quite startling. This does not matter. (laughs) You are merely asked to apply the ideas as you are directed to. You are not asked to judge them at all. Mm. You are asked only to use them. It is their use that will give them meaning to you and will show you that they are true. Yeah, I haven't heard any uh, red flags yet. You know, keep going. I'm hooked. All right, I'll keep on going. Quote, remember only this. You need not believe the ideas. You need not accept them. And you need not even welcome them. Some of them you may actively resist. None of this will matter or decrease their efficacy, but do not allow yourself to make exceptions in applying the ideas the workbook contains and whatever your reactions to the ideas may be, use them. Nothing more than that is required. Okay, so nothing more than unquestioned obedience. Sounds like spiritual freedom to me. It's perfect. Yeah, it doesn't seem like much 
a much of a gift. No. I mean, that seems pretty simple. <laughs> All this talk of ideas, it seems like a precursor to the Dave Rubin show. Oh, I yeah. Think. This is the origin he story. He would love. I mean, he should have talked about this with Marianne Williamson. Yeah. I think he wouldn't have looked quite so silly on that uh, that episode of the Dave Rubin Report. All right. So speaking of high level ideas and Dave Rubin, if you're listening, you might want to stop because we have some intense ideas coming your way. <laughs> Don't want to put you into recovery mode. <laughs> Well, what that's are too late because my mind well, is already in recovery mode. So some of this can be gleamed just from the introduction. The A Course in Miracles has a very brief introduction. Quote, this is A Course in Miracles. It is a required course. Oh, damn. It's not an elective. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Only the time you take is voluntary. Free will does not mean that you can establish the curriculum. It means only that you can elect what you want to take at any given time. The course does not aim at teaching the meaning of love, for that is beyond what can be taught. Wait, is this the, I don't know, maybe the third time in None Dare Call Ordinary History where there was a sliver of humility? Is that what this uh, is? Ah, uh, there may be hope. Mm, I don't quite know, but let's continue <laughs> to see if we uh, think that quote. <laughs> It does aim, however, at removing the blocks to the awareness of love's presence, which is your natural inheritance. The opposite of love is fear, but what is all-encompassing can have no opposite. This course can therefore be summed up very simply in this way. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. Wow. And for all our fans of pre-Socratic philosophy, you might be hearing echoes of Parmenides, and this won't be the only and time. And I'm sure there's many of those fans out there listening right now. I'm sure there's there's tens of them. <laughs> and in some ways, A Course in Miracles reads like a new age Parmenides. Parmenides for the new, uh, like the hippie Parmenides, basically. So nothing real can be threatened. Okay, that, that makes mm -hmm. no yep. sense. Uh, I suppose illegal immigrants can take comfort in the fact that they don't exist then, since the president threatens them daily mm, online. Yeah. So yep. that's good for them mm, well but then we already go over the fact that nothing trump does or says matters anymore brent so i don't know why you'd bring this up oh that's right i forgot trump won the war against reality that's like something yeah. i forgot yep all so. right let's continue on to the real important issues the introduction kind of nicely captures the main divide in a course in miracles it's knowledge versus perception mm. and there is a bit of a slide between knowledge and truth so i'm sorry to all the epistemologists <laughs> out there but you know i just want to warn you in advance and also what is this knowledge versus perception i don't i don't know this kind of sounds like that satanic kant stuff that lyndon larouge warned us about do you remember that a little bit yeah a little bit unfortunately Ooh, yeah. i mean this is we have to know our enemy and so we have to read further. Okay. So what is true in the realm of knowledge? What is true is the law of love or God. If God is love, then this seems a bit redundant. Yeah, I think that's the, the point okay. is that love just is God. So, you know, it's one and the same. Okay. This truth is eternal, unchangeable, and, quote, unambiguous. Ironically, I didn't fully understand what that meant. <laughs> it is applicable to everything God created, and only what God created is real. It also can't be learned because, quote, it is beyond time and process. Whoa. And if it can't be learned, I don't know why I'm reading this because I'm trying to <laughs> learn all this stuff. I would think. Uh, oh, I know. I know. I know why. I know why. Because we have to uh, make this episode. That's why you're learning about it. So oh, the literal answer to the question. Yeah, that's yep. I can learn what words are in the book and in what order. The deeper <laughs> meaning I just simply can't learn. There seems to be an order to these words. In short, the law of love parentheses or God quote has no opposite. No beginning and no end. It merely 
is. I suppose though it depends on what the meaning of the word is is. Yeah, I would like to see Bill Clinton try to work through Bill. A Course in Miracles. Okay, now what about this world of perception? So the world of knowledge, the world of truth, that's all there is. All the bad stuff that's not real in the world of perception, we start with time, change, beginnings, and endings. All of these belong to the world of perception. In other words, the world of illusion. All right, this isn't satanic Kant. This is just tr transcendental idealism for dummies. That's what's going on here. <laughs> Yeah, like the really, like really, you, really dummy version of it. Yeah, it's like naive transcendental idealism for dummies. I feel like we have to <laughs> two levels down. OK, good. Continuing, quote, it is the world of birth and death founded on the belief in scarcity, loss, separation and death. And, you know, they just had to get death in there twice in the same sentence. And founded on a belief in scarcity. Well, now we know what to blame for both gold bugs and Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we we don't know. We're already living in the Star Trek economy. We're already in a post scarcity economy. We just have to read this book to figure that out. The ultimate course in miracles is Keynesianism. Continuing the uh, elucidation of the world of illusion, quote, it is learned rather than given, selective in its perceptual emphases, unstable in its functioning, and inaccurate in its interpretations. So being learned is bad, because we learn the bad stuff is what we learn. But being given is good. You want to get the stuff. So I didn't learn multiplication. I was given it. <laughs> yeah, you were you just downloaded it. Yeah, the yeah, exactly. Process. The download process is just getting this knowledge. You're not learning it. So let's dive a little bit deeper into the knowledge versus perception stuff, these two different worldviews. In the perceptual world, this lives the belief in opposites, as well as separate wills that are conflicting with themselves and God. This contrasts with the world of knowledge, where there is only the will of God, which he shares with his creation. So all thoughts are really the thoughts of this will. But what about the thoughts about opposites? I guess God is going to blame his creation for that one. I guess that's how it works. It's like God and his creation are roommates, but creation keeps leaving dirty dishes in the sink. And so they're in the same house, but God just does not take ownership of them. One is the creator of all things. One's all things are the creator. Can they get along in the city? God and creation premiering this fall on NBC. Exactly. <laughs> it's a bad sitcom, basically. Despite knowledge being knowledge, which is, after all, generally a good thing, Perception is very appealing because only what the perceiver accepts is allowed into perception. So you might perceive, for example, that you've got boils on your skin, but that's because you want to see that. Uh, Just want to let you know. Okay. But despite this appeal, this world of illusions must be defended constantly from criticism because after all, it's not real. Quote, when you have been caught in the world of perception, you are caught in a dream. What is this, David Lynch? It might be. Yeah, kind of is. Yeah. For we are like the spider. We create the dream and then live and inside live. it. Okay, so we've got the world of knowledge. We've got the perceptual world. We're caught in the perceptual world. We're fighting with each other. We think there's scarcity going on. This is where God steps in to help us. Okay. So how do we escape the dream that is the perceptual world? Simple. God. <laughs> God knows about the illusions, but does not believe in them. He is thus able to help us unlearn our mistakes through his great learning aid, forgiveness. And just to recap, learning is bad, but unlearning is good 
But unlearning requires a learning aid, hmm. which is very, this is, a, you know, lots of high level ideas. Here. Well, Luke Skywalker needed Yoda's teachings to learn that he must unlearn what he learned. So this checks out, I believe. <laughs> okay. So it's like Star Wars. Okay. That helps. That helps. Okay. Yeah. Now you may wonder what forgiveness has to do with the errors of perception. These ideas are connected because projection makes perception. Oh. What we see is merely our interpretation of what we see. And I'm just going to slide <laughs> right okay. over that. Wow. Just going to okay. let that be. Just as you should hear with your mind's ear, you should do all your seeing though with your mind's eye. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Our interpretation is fueled by our anger and lovelessness. Thus, we see a world of evil. In fact, sin just is a lack of love. The sin, quote, is a mistake to be corrected rather than an evil to be punished. By embracing forgiveness, we can unlearn our anger and fear and thus change our perception. Forgiving ourselves allows us to see ourselves as what we are, created by God and an indivisible part of God. And I like this because, you know, I mean, since everybody is an indivisible part of God, that means that Adolf Hitler, Jeffrey Dahmer, yeah. Joseph Stalin are included. So I'm, I'm happy about that. It gets me through many a dark night of the soul. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to keep God fun. You got to spice it up. Yeah, you just don't want a bunch of do-gooders making up the whole of God. That would just right. be lame. Yeah, it's boring. Once freed of sin and the corresponding scarcity principle, <laughs> minds can really join together and with God, quote, the self that God created needs nothing. It is forever complete, safe, loved, and loving. There's that uh, scarcity principle again. The further you get from Peter Schiff, the closer you get to God. <laughs> that actually might be true. <laughs> but the special relationships we have with our family, friends, coworkers, etc., Relations tarnished by sin and our faulty perceptions can serve as lessons for forgiveness, transforming these relationships into something holy. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm going to say to my coworkers that I expect to transform our relationship into something holy and just see how long it takes for HR to give me a call. So just going <laughs> to oh, yeah. test that one out. First thing Monday. You got you to gotta give HR a copy of A Course in Miracles, then wait like a month. <laughs> And then I think you can start That's true. telling your coworkers you want to holify your relationship. <laughs> so there's a lot of talk about sin and forgiveness and spirit. What about the body? We got these bodies. What role do they play in all of this? None. Well, a little more than none. Oh, the body, when it is caught up in the perceptual world, only allows the body's ears and eyes to be used for awareness. But really, the body is a vessel for the intentions of the mind. If the mind is mired in sin, quote, it becomes prey to sickness, age, and decay. Mm. What? But if the mind aligns itself instead with God's will, quote, it becomes a useful way of communicating with others, invulnerable as long as it is needed, and to be gently laid by when its use is over. And this is interesting, because there's an interesting coincidence that the body just happens to no longer be needed by the mind or the spirit, like as soon as it gets hit by a car or if it suffers from like a stage four cancer, it's weird how that happens. Mm. Those events just line up perfectly. Exactly. I, you know, get hit by a car. I've, I've seen the end of God's not dead. I know what that's all about. Yeah, exactly. Just perfect. His usefulness was just ended. And so boom, hit by a car. When one is aligned with the purpose of the Holy Spirit, one sees not with one's eyes, but via the vision of Christ. You know, that sounds wonderful at first, but then when your vision just suddenly changes, and you 
find that some Roman soldiers are nailing you to a cross, you might find <laughs> yeah. that seeing things with Jesus's eyes aren't all that it's cracked up to be, really. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah. hey, come on, Forrest. Always look on the bright side of life, <laughs> as we know. Well, as long as you don't feel with Jesus's pain receptors, I mean, I don't well, think it'll it be might that be just bad. jarring at the, uh, you know, a little jarring, I'd say still. Okay. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Because also, one does not hear with one's ears, Ooh. but through the voice of God. Uh, and so you see with the vision of Christ, you see with the voice of Christ. So be warned. Make sure that whenever you're like doing a cross-country drive, for example, make sure Christ is looking through your windshield <laughs> so you don't get into a terrible accident. Jesus, take the wheel. You know, or Tesla's autopilot either way. Well, even with Tesla's autopilot, you still yeah, have to pay attention. Right. But, you know, maybe, yeah. you know, Christ can read a book, for example. Yeah, don't read Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so mean. So to like kind of recap where we are so far, quote, it is the one correction for all errors of perception, the reconciliation of the seeming opposites on which this world is based. It's kindly light shows all things from another point of view reflecting the thought system that arises from knowledge and making return to God not only possible, but inevitable. What was regarded as injustices done to one by someone else now becomes a call for help and for union. Sin, sickness, and attack are seen as misperceptions calling for remedy through gentleness and love. Defenses are laid down because where there is no attack, there is no need for them. Our brother's needs become our own, because they are taking the journey with us as we go to God. Without us, they would lose their way. Without them, we could never find our own. Uh, okay. Now, what about heaven? You might think, okay, we need all this forgiveness, all this kind of stuff. Well, we don't need forgiveness in heaven. They haven't made the mistake of playing around in the perceptual worlds. Mm. They're always in the knowledge world. Uh, now, now, in the New Jerusalem, though, maybe that's another story. We don't know that information uh, because it wasn't in the book of Revelation. For our listeners, if you prefer that sort of madness, um, you might want to listen to that. It's the very first episode. Two episodes. One the and one two. that started it all. The one that started it all. But also, this is a new revelation from Jesus. That's true. So I think this all supersedes all that. Yeah. The new New Testament. It works better, too, exactly. to dictate your, your voice from heaven if you're on an island and you are on drugs. Yeah, <laughs> also, you know, this... This message from Christ seems way less scary. Like, you know, no extreme hallucinations about the end times and the sky turning black. Yeah, no locust horses. None of that stuff. And kind of lastly here, us humans, again, we're into the perceptual world. That's why we need all the forgiveness we can get. You know, we're not in heaven yet. We got to have that forgiveness. A Course in Miracles even rewrites the Lord's Prayer. And I'm just going to give that to you here. Quote, Forgive us our illusions, Father, and help us to accept our true relationship with you, in which there are no illusions, and where none can ever enter. Our holiness is yours. What can there be in us that needs forgiveness when yours is perfect? The sleep of forgetfulness is only the unwillingness to remember your forgiveness and your love. Let us not wander into temptation, for the temptation of the Son of God is not your will. And let us receive only what you have given and accept, but this into the minds which you created and which you love. Amen. Uh, let us eat. Let us eat. I don't think this is going to catch up. No. So before, so that's kind of a quick recap of A Course in Miracles. But that's not the only dictation that happened under Sheckman's watch. She also dictated something called the Notes on Sound 
And amongst the things described in Notes on Sound is some kind of electronic device to heal people. So she's getting into the the uh, medical device industry as part of this, which kind of came out of left field. Nice. So how does this machine work? Well, according to the document Notes on Sound, quote, it does not matter in what part of the body the healing takes place, nor by what means it is brought about. <laughs> From the theoretical point of view, it can be said that healing can only be the result of a change of mind which hmm. now accepts healing where it formerly accepted sickness. Oh. The change of mind alters the thought field around the patient, which seems to represent the place where he is. Of course. These changes cannot be different for a healing presumably brought about by medication, surgery, or faith. Healing can only be faith healing for sickness can only be faith in sickness. All right, so this is one of the dumbest things I've heard yet on the podcast, <laughs> and maybe even the dumbest. Wait, thought fields? Here, here's the thing, yeah, given the high volume of dumb, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> and you know, I, I gotta say, I'm almost more sold on Sherry Shriner's organ, to be honest. Wow. That's how bad this is. Shit, shit, though, be careful. Once all Sherry Shriner fans, which I'm sure a bunch of them listen to this podcast, um, you know, once they hear this, they they may start boosting her Patreon numbers. But there's we'll at least nine of those goal. fuckers still like just yeah. hanging around. <laughs> Fuck. Now, you might laugh. You might think this is dumb, but I'll have you know that Robert Scutch, who wrote a history of A Course on Miracles, says that those notes were shown to, quote, eminent scientists. <gasps> I stand oh. corrected. So what did they think? Damn. Well, sadly, none of them could make heads or tails of it. Oh, <laughs> We'll give this them is, DMT, then it'll all make sense. Is this like all yeah. those eminent scientists that Paul Potter said were shown the transcripts <laughs> from the Betty Luca regression sessions and they, but then you couldn't find anything about what they said about it? Yeah, I think it might be kind of like that. Yeah, okay. So that's the background for A Course in Miracles. Let's move on now to Marianne Williamson herself. Williamson grew up in Houston, the youngest of three children of Sam and Sophie Ann Williamson. From an early age, Williamson was surrounded by an eclectic range of spiritual books. Her brother Peter mentions Thomas Aquinas, the Koran, and a Hebrew New Testament as examples. Whoa, 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 a Hebrew New Testament? What kind of blasphemy is this? Mm, yep, yep. Yeah, I prefer the Jefferson Bible, if you're going to go weird Bible. Why not combine them, have a Jefferson Bible written in Hebrew? Oh, I like it. Yeah, I like that. By the time she was three years old, Williamson already had a personal relationship with God. She started early. Jesus Christ. Her mother, Sophie Ann, wow. says, quote, When she was a baby of three or so, I would come in to kiss her goodnight. Half the time she'd be singing in her bed with her eyes closed and her little hands clasped under her chin. And she'd say, quote, go away, mommy. I'm talking to God. Oh, <laughs> not creepy at all. No warning signs there. When not rejecting her mother in favor of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> Williamson would make some sadly misogynistic speculations <laughs> about the lack of success of famous women, quote. And this is a quote of Williamson. I used to do a lot of pretending I was Eleanor Roosevelt, Williamson says, remembering how she wondered if the First Lady's homeliness diminished her impact as a committed humanitarian. <laughs> I kept thinking, could makeup have made a difference? Did she say all this at the age of three? That's impressive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, I like this hypothesis that uh, Williamson has here. I think what you need if you want to go for maximum humanitarianism you need the looks of Melania Trump fused with the heart of Eleanor Roosevelt. <laughs> At that point, everything will just work out perfectly. That's yeah, so I'm sure. I'm sure that's going to be great. Yeah, she's totally right. So Williamson graduated from Houston's Bel Air High School and attended Pomona College, majoring in philosophy and theater. Linda Obst, her roommate at the time, noted some of her habits, quote, 
Marianne was always picking up stray mystics. A part of her was always looking for something electric in life. I just like I pictured I just pictured some homeless person dressed like a wizard trying to hitchhike. I mean, I know she ignored her mother's advice, but you should never, ever pick up stray mystics. Just let them be. Yeah, it was a different it was a different time. It was a different time where yeah, there were was. more stray mystics exactly. hitchhiking than ever, ever before. After two years of college, Williamson decided to move cross country to New York City to become a cabaret singer. Albert Goldman, a writer who has written biographies of Elvis and John Lennon, employed Williamson as a secretary at the time and said she was, quote, a sweet, warm hearted girl. She was incapable of figuring out what she should do. And she was crying all the time. Sounds like the ideal employee. She would, you know, she should really run for president. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Oh, wait, she is. Whenever she finished crying, she moved back across the country to San Francisco, pursuing interests in Zen, meditation, and the Ouija board. Boyfriend and musician John Timothy said, quote, She had a theatrical intensity. If she didn't like something, she hated it. If she felt betrayed, it was something out of Ibsen. Wow. I mean, just as long as it doesn't reach the intensity level of Klaus Kinski, <laughs> I think that if we're OK. We're yeah, I don't think clear. she ever got there. Yeah, you really max out at a Rick Dalton level, I would say. Yeah, that's probably as far as she ever got. She then moved back to Houston in 1979, ran a metaphysical bookstore, married a dude she refuses to talk about, and sang Gershwin standards in a Houston nightclub. Also, Dylan, I'm assuming that these are very serious metaphysical books that Williamson was selling. Oh, right? oh of course. Given this is your level. <laughs> this is your area of expertise. Yeah, here. definitely. Uh, lots of David Lewis, lots mm-hmm. of Peter Van Inwagen, yep. almost certainly. OK, good. By 1983, Williamson was unemployed and without prospects, but she moved to Los Angeles where her real career began. Once in Los Angeles, Williamson began lecturing at the Philosophical Research Society her main source of inspiration being A Course in Miracles. You know, I'm certain that her philosophical society was as legit as the metaphysical bookstore. <laughs> you know that. it. You just know it. Dylan would know. I mean, he is a satanic philosopher. That's true. Crystals and sage are used in standard research and philosophy, right, Dylan? Yeah, absolutely. I Before so. I begin doing some research and kind of notating, um, I always, you know, have a crystal grid. I form the crystal grid. Every crystal is smudged with sage. I implant my intention into it, and then I can begin researching. Wow. If I didn't do any of that, <laughs> I would certainly be harming my output. For for all you philosophy PhD students out there, take notes. Yeah, take that's note, my. That, you know, if you want if you want help on a workflow, I recommend the Crystal Grid. <laughs> Williamson's lectures soon included quote a trendy amalgam of Christianity, Buddhism, pop psychology, and twelve step recovery wisdom. Wow. Hmm. And I should note that from personal experience, a lot of AA people love A Course in Miracles. I'm just going to throw that fact out there for everyone. These lectures included, quote, romantic delusions and the fear of abandonment. Actress Teresa Russell explains Williamson's appeal in those days, quote, you don't have to give up your whole existence in order to lead a spiritual life. You can be semi-enlightened. <laughs> That's sort of the message she's talking about. So so in other words, you just slightly drill a hole in your head then, as we learned. About. Yeah, you know, don't trepan yourself. Just make an indentation. It's like just let the third eye see a wasn't little that bit. When John Me- or Joseph Mellon, when he first started trepanning himself, he didn't go through all the way. If he just kind of stopped there, yeah. there he was. He That's stuck with yeah, he got to this point. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. that's the Marianne Williamson trip. Just being a little high all the time, you know, (laughs) micro dosing is the micro dosing version of trepanation. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So what was Williamson's approach to these lectures? 
She was known to switch from a kind of airy-fairy, typical New Age stuff to a more pragmatic approach, even in the same lecture. So, for example, mm -hmm. at one lecture at the Manhattan Center for a Living, she quietly told the audience, quote, I want you to close your eyes. We see a golden temple, and inside that temple is an inner light. We are in that light, joined together in the presence of God. Seems pretty typical New Age kind of thing. Yeah. But at that same lecture, a man told her that he was being deported because of an expired visa and didn't think he could re-enter the U.S. because his boyfriend was HIV positive. Williamson took a very different approach to this question, quote, What you need is a good immigration lawyer. Pray to God to send you one right away. Wow, that is a little, <laughs> little different. Huh. A little different. Interesting. It is perhaps this kind of hard-nosed tactic which led her to refer to herself important. She calls herself, quote, the bitch for God. Wow. That's her saying that about herself. It's just a matter of time until, you know, that is the title of a cool new hip evangelical theatrical film that would gross 456 quadrillion dollars, I'm sure. Yeah. So look out, God's not dead. It'll gross as many dollars as there were uh, BitConnect 2 tokens. The BitConnect <laughs> X tokens. Yeah, BitConnect <laughs> X. <laughs> Yeah. Now, there are other reasons she might refer to herself that way, but first we have to get to her real claim to success, and that is the return to love. So Williamson's fame reached catastrophic proportions with a publication of her book, A Return to Love, Reflections on the Principles of A Course in Miracles in 1992. Oprah Winfrey herself announced that she had given away a thousand copies of this book, and the publicity shot the book to the top of the New York Times bestseller list. Thanks, Oprah. Thanks, Oprah. Yeah. And, you know, since then, she's written a billion books. But this is really we want to start at the source. This is kind of the first book. This is really the egg of all of her ideas, the seed. Now, as you can imagine, in a book called The Return to Love, the word love comes up a lot. In an article by Martin Gardner, he claims that the word appears more than a thousand times in the book. And here are just a few examples. Quote, we are all part of a vast sea of love. Love is a win mode. Oh, I like that one, actually. It's like Trump, but not totally evil. He phrased not totally. <laughs> and, you know, quote, not totally evil is now my standard for presidential candidate person. Yeah, that's a pretty good standard. <laughs> it also it has a kind of Scott Adams, like a new it's like a new age Scott Adams kind of quote. I can imagine him saying something like that. Continuing with the love fest, quote, only love is real. Nothing else actually exists, which, again, very a Course in Miracles. Hmm. And lastly, yep. love is to people what water is to plants. Uh, I would say water is to people what water is to plants. I mean, this mm. sounds more like that closed-minded materialism bullshit from you again, Brent. That's yeah, true. maybe true. water is to bodies what water to is to plants, holes, but we are not our bodies. We are spirits in community with God himself. Yep. But love isn't the only word Williamson uses. She's got plenty of fun phrases in her book. Quote, we are pregnant with possibilities. Oh, my <laughs> God. Jesus, have a C-section and get those possibilities out now. Come on. Yeah, I got to get them out of there. Wait. Take a, a possibility pregnancy test <laughs> to see if you are pregnant with possibilities. Continuing on, quote, Nothing occurs outside our minds. OK, wow. If God is seen as electricity, then we are his lamps. <laughs> so water is the God what steam is to electricity? I'm just tr trying to make sense of some of this here. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. That's the download <laughs> process happening right now. You're being given the knowledge. You didn't learn that. You were given it. But thank you. Here's some more uh, fun phrases. Gray clouds never last forever. 
the blue sky does. Well, I mean, except for when the sky is, I don't know, cloudy or <laughs> nighttime or even during sunrise and sunset when the sky isn't very blue either. I mean, other than those minor counterexamples, I, I guess this is pretty much correct. Yeah. Yeah. Continuing on, time does not exist. Oh, I, I wonder if Williamson wears a watch. Brent, have you learned nothing? <laughs> no. Both the watch and time are illusions of perception because oh. of scarcity or something. <laughs> I actually haven't learned anything. And yep, she wore a watch. I just, I looked it up in Google Images in a recent debate. So, just so uh, we all know. Good investigative research there. Thank you. <laughs> yes, yes. Continuing on, quote, we're always perfect. We can't not be. Yeah, try telling that to Gordon Ramsay when you're <laughs> fucking up in Hell's Kitchen. God, Marianne Williamson, I hope she never opens a restaurant because that would be, <laughs> that might be the best episode of Kitchen Nightmares of all time. There's no fucking miracles working for you right now, you pig! <laughs> Ow! You donkey! Oh, it would be glorious. And lastly, and this one is something that, that's become more popular, more people are talking about, quote, Sickness is an illusion and does not actually exist. Sweet. So I don't have to pay uh, this doctor's bill here. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, guys, this also explains why Marion Williamson was a little wonky with her stance on Medicare for all. Because <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. she knows, right? She knows that you don't, since it doesn't exist, you really don't illusion. need Medicare for all. But she doesn't want to, you know, for the right. normies, she doesn't want to spook them too much. So she kind of exactly. yeah. goes back exactly. and forth. Right. Yeah. Let her get in office first. Yep. So all of this is actually pretty pretty straightforward A Course in Miracles kind of stuff. You know, love is everything, time doesn't exist, yada, yada, yada. But she also strays a little bit. And one way is through her strategy for dealing with the whole pesky Jesus angle mm. to A Course in Miracles. Mm -hmm. Because as mentioned above, Shuckman was explicit that the voice she was dictating belonged to Jesus. He identified himself, quote, in no uncertain terms. Mm. Shuckman even left her name off the book to make sure everyone knew it was written by, quote, the true author, Jesus. <laughs> but a lot of hippy-dippy New Agers aren't really comfortable with taking on an explicitly Christian doctrine. They like to pick and choose and, you know, say, I'm spiritual but not religious. Right. Yeah, man. <laughs> and a lot of the doctrine itself, as explained above, isn't particularly Christian. So it would be nice if we could somehow take Jesus out of the picture. Quick, somebody call Thomas Jefferson. We need those scissors again. Yeah, we, Marianne Williamson is the Thomas Jefferson <laughs> of A Course in Miracles. Oh now that all makes sense. And specifically, what she does is, in The Return of Love, Williamson explains that Jesus isn't a person, but a metaphor for the love inside of us. Aww. Okay. And, it, you know, I, I this really is New Age religions in a nutshell, and that is classic religious figures are all just metaphor, but the craziest possible interpretations of the craziest things they said, well, that's totally true. Yep. Exactly. And with some crystals, you know, thrown in for good measure. Why not? Yeah. And also, if you guys like, you know, we keep talking about crystals today. If you enjoy how crystals can heal you and when learning all about that, check it out. We have a series on it. Also, rune stones, I heard. Good, too. Tarot cards. There's a whole, all kinds of things you can use. Don't talk about those. We haven't done episodes about oh, that. Sorry. Only true. things Shit. we've done episodes on exist. Okay. <laughs> Nothing exists outside our podcast. That's how I read The Return of Love. Get those clicks. Also, when the Bible talks about Jesus healing lepers, what this really means, according to Williamson, is that the lepers were healed because, quote, 
Jesus did not believe in leprosy. Oh, wow. <laughs> Mr. Jesus, can you please heal me of my leprosy? No, you don't have <laughs> leprosy. Get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> so to be clear, sometimes Jesus refers to the love inside of you. And sometimes Jesus refers to some dude who was really in touch with the love inside of himself and cure people by pretending they weren't really sick. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that all makes sense to me. Yeah, it's all it's it's also all true. It's this is the world of knowledge. <laughs> all right, so that's Jesus. That's the Jesus angle. What about reincarnation? This is something else a lot of new age kind of people like. Yeah. Well, probably not. There probably isn't reincarnation. Hmm. After all, oh. death is one of those illusions. And so, you know, specifically, quote, okay. we have been alive forever. According to Williamson, we will be alive forevermore. And since you have to die to be reincarnated and you never die, then you can never be reincarnated. Ooh, I actually like how reincarnation has less cognitive dissonance built into it, because at least when people die around you, you're told that their essence is reborn in another form. But with this, when you see them die around you, you just tell yourself, yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, as we've just learned, nothing outside of our minds is uh, really true. So. so, yeah, as long as you don't believe it, it doesn't happen. Yeah. But this actually might not be the right interpretation, oh. because although we live forever, that doesn't mean we stay in the same body. Forever. Oh, I got ahead of myself. Oh, OK, the end of our <laughs> physical incarnation is like the end of a chapter on some level, setting up the beginning of another. Oh. Not sure how things can end and begin when time isn't real, but, you know, whatever. I'm just going to give it. <laughs> and, to and also, you know, silly me. Yeah. I thought Williamson would have known about the distinction without a difference fallacy. So, you know, sorry, my mistake there. No, 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 no. <laughs> No, all logical fallacies are also illusions. So, Oh, good point. Good point. It's but then Williamson quotes A Course in Miracles, which throws yet another wrench oh, no. into the reincarnation works. <laughs> what? <laughs> so many wrenches. So A Course in Miracles says, quote, reincarnation cannot then be true in any real sense because there is no linear time. If we have past lives or future lives, then they're all happening at once. Wow. So to recap, You've been alive forever, but not in your physical body. And all the times you are alive forever are happening all at oh, once. And just like Dave Rubin, my brain is now in recovery mode yeah. after being exposed to so many high level important ideas. Yeah, it's intense. These seriously may be some of the highest level ideas of all time, which time doesn't exist. So that doesn't really make sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We're experiencing all the highest level ideas all at once. <laughs> oh, man, that's horrifying. God oh, damn. God, that's recovery mode to the max. All right. And lastly, let's talk about heaven. What's going on with heaven? So perhaps you go to heaven once you leave your physical incarnation. Hey, that could be the view. Yeah. But A Course in Miracles says this is wrong. Oh. Quote, heaven is here. There is nowhere else. Here is now. There is no other time. Heaven is not a place. It is merely the awareness of perfect oneness and the knowledge that there is nothing else. Nothing outside this awareness and nothing within. So... Heaven is located here and located nowhere. Now the lyrics to that song make sense. Ooh, heaven is a place on earth. Yeah, I was actually thinking of that song, too. I know. Well, they do say that in heaven, love comes first. So. Ooh, oh, my God. It's a Course in Miracles song. Oh. But Williamson herself seems to think heaven is a place. And there are even angels in heaven. Quote, yeah. Angels are the thoughts of God, and in heaven, you will think like angels. So heaven is where God's mind is, 
and his thoughts, the angels themselves can think. And I think at this point we need to just accept that the law of non-contradiction does not apply to none dare call ordinary subjects. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. And nope, I was wrong. The most high level idea of all time is thoughts having thoughts or better ideas having ideas. That is just yeah. fucking insane. <laughs> and as mentioned before, and we're going to end with the return to love with probably the most controversial idea, this whole thing about sickness, specifically, quote, sickness is an illusion and does not exist, which we mentioned earlier, specifically, quote, Cancer and AIDS and other physical illnesses are physical manifestations of a psychic scream. Jesus. Psychic scream is, I mean, it's a decent metal band name. It's not the best. We've had much yeah. better in, in many series back, but, you know, it'd be like a hot topic metal band. But that's really all that these, this huge list of the chronic failures and con artists. The only thing that you can actually get from them that's of any value is all the great band names. <laughs> no, totally. And that's Sorry. about it. Yeah, listen to some of our earlier episodes if you're a band in need of a name, because we've got a bunch. <laughs> no, seriously, if anybody needs a band name, just listen to our episodes. We want to do a t-shirt a with plethora. the tour dates on the back of it. All the tour dates of all the fake bands. Okay, so that's the return to love. Very hippy-dippy, love is awesome, all these kind of fun, nice ideas about forgiveness, etc. Time isn't real, etc. But let's return to that whole the bitch for God thing, because it turns out that Williamson might not be the only one using that phrase. One example was a speech Williamson gave for Divine Design, a charity for AIDS. Before she takes the podium, she spends some time haranguing the AV crew, quote, excuse me, excuse me, what was that? I told you. Apparently, she was referring to the slideshow of AIDS victims, which wasn't, quote, uplifting enough. Oh, and as we all know, the most uplifting thing that ever happened to AIDS victims was when Lyndon LaRouge tried to put them in internment camps. That was oh, yeah, yeah. that was a good time. That was wonderful. Thank you, Lyndon. Williamson's micromanagement of this event also was blamed for the auction missing its $2 million goal only raising $725,000. Well, still. It's still pretty good. <laughs> Among the added costs was air conditioning for the airport hangar the event was held in. Oh, and shit. So it's going to cost a lot of money to, to AC that whole place. Yeah. And this does not appear to be an isolated event. According to former employees and associates, quote, Williamson's offstage displays of temper and unchecked ego, as well as a cruelly abrasive management style, are alienating her allies giving credibility to her detractors and, most damaging of all, beginning to undermine the basis of financial support for her legitimate and vital charity work. Marianne is a tyrant. She's cruel, unnecessarily, and very controlling, says one former associate. It doesn't mean that her works aren't great. They are. But her own ego is going to destroy her. You know what, though? And yet, knowing all of this, I would still vote for her over Trump in 2020. Yeah, I mean... This, this, yeah, but come on, Trump's a special case. I mean, compared to Trump's ego, all egos are very low energy. So, for example, like Bill Clinton's was surpassed on day one and his ego was massive. And I don't even think Jim Jones, the king of egos, could keep up at this point. I mean, even if he had a Twitter feed, I don't think he could. Oh, God, Jim Jones on Twitter would be very entertaining. Oh, man. Oh. Williamson has also rankled colleagues and employees. 
she dismissed most of the board members of the Manhattan Center for Living after a religious disagreement. Strange. You know, I just would have thought that her wishy-washy mishmash woo theology was large enough tent to welcome anybody's nonsensical gibberish-based <laughs> belief system, but I guess... No, I believe it or not, even she has standards. Well, they do say the Democratic Party is the big tent party, so I guess yeah, that's why she's totally. running as a Democrat. Yeah, so. it wasn't. The problem is she has a big... She's big hanger, airport hanger, and... <laughs> Think about an airport hangar, very strong walls to keep out <laughs> and opposing lots of ideologies. Is so big yeah. that the air conditioning bill is enormous. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the 20-member staff of Center for Living, quote, rebelled after Williamson fired the fourth director in five years. Some employees are even unionizing in order to, quote, protect themselves from Williamson's bad-tempered caprices. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, so as a Democrat, she's probably pro-union, just not this specific union. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And once again, like compared to Trump, the fourth director in five years isn't that it's bad. Like, it's <laughs> not like the 80th <laughs> defense secretary in five weeks, you know. <laughs> or having like a press secretary for 10 days or something like that. Right, <laughs> right. No, it's a communications Scaramucci. guy. Scaramucci. Yeah, Scaramucci. Guy. Scaramucci. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, continuing the quote, Marianne's ego is all over the place, says a worker at the L.A. Center for a Living who wishes to remain anonymous. When she's mad, it's like watching a three-year-old throw a tantrum. I've seen her reduce a volunteer worker to tears and swearing that he'd never come back. Ah, One board director, Regina Hoover, went on medical leave with Williamson's permission in order to undergo a double mastectomy. But shortly after her surgery, she was fired and forced to negotiate the terms of her medical insurance for months afterwards. Yeah. At least she let her or at least, you know, Williamson let the operation happen first. I mean, before. Yeah, she <laughs> just wasn't going to pay for it. And like a certain president of the United States, hmm. she has had some run ins with the media. The L.A. Times wrote a story critical of Williamson and an individual and corporate donor cease their donations because of it. When you when you say certain president, you're specifically talking about President Jimmy Carter. Is that, am I yeah, reading yeah, you right? Yeah, you know okay. him. Oh, God. Always fighting with <laughs> That guy media. was so filled with scandals, so, I hated Such a tyrant. Of shit. Many volunteers with Williamson's Project Angel Food organization had to be persuaded to not quit over the bad publicity. <laughs> Williamson herself made clear what her employees' approach to reporters ought to be, quote, you're fucking with my livelihood. I'm famous. <laughs> I don't need this, damn it. Even her backers get this treatment. She tried to get a backer, Sandy Gollin, to introduce her to Dolly Parton and Shirley MacLaine at a Hollywood party. Gollin teased her with a mock sing-song version of an introduction. Dolly, this is Marianne. Shirley, this is Marianne. Something along those lines. <laughs> what was Williamson's response to this teasing? Quote, fuck off, Sandy. <laughs> Oh, Wait, she, yes. she's Gordon. She's Gordon Ramsay. It's all making sense now. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, fuck off, Sandy. The title of the fourth installment of the Course in Miracles series now in paperback. So that's. Yeah, it's one of, of the of uh, one of the entries in the workbook, I think, is the fuck <laughs> off Sandy chapter. <laughs> the editors missed that part. Yeah. yeah. So what what is Williamson's response to all of these accusations? Williamson admits that maybe her interpersonal skills could use some work. Quote, <laughs> nobody at my lectures ever hears me say I'm perfect. And keep in mind, this is <laughs> somebody that says she believes you cannot not be perfect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, totally. As we learned earlier. Continuing the quote, am I dramatic at times? Yes. But are my instincts usually right? Yes. 
If I was a man, I'd be considered a good leader. And sadly, that might be true and also not a good thing. <laughs> and there's nothing like destroying sexism to reinforce it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. What about her penchant for firing employees willy nilly? Quote, people don't get fired because of Marianne's capricious ways or hormones. It's absolutely inaccurate to say that if Marianne doesn't like someone, they're out of here. And yes, that is her speaking in third person. <laughs> oh my God. She's like slightly Trump. This isn't Trump, right? Okay, just want to make sure. This is not Trump. Okay. This is Mary Ann Williamson. Okay. And this is where we're going to end on our episode on Mary Ann Williamson and A Course in Miracles. So, Brent, Forrest, I would say, what did you learn in this episode? But I'm going to say instead, what were you given this episode? Oh. What was most intriguing oh. to you? I like that. And well, I mean, sorry to beat a dead horse here. But again, I want to emphasize that even after learning all this, I would vote for Marion Williamson in two seconds over Donald it's Trump. Not even a hesitate. Well, Absolutely. maybe a, a brief not even two seconds. Yeah. Blink of a hesitation. One, one millionth of a millisecond. That's how yeah, sad. That's where know. we are. Yeah, but I mean, I liked, uh, you know, I learning all kinds of things. I like learning that everything I perceive is just perception and uh, time doesn't exist. And God is love and I'm part of God and Hitler's part of God and we're all part of God. I liked it. I, I learned have, a lot. Have either of you guys yeah, physically looked at or actually like flipped through the Course of Miracles workbook? For, was it for students? Not I, the workbook. I've looked at the either. main text, but not the workbook itself. Yeah, I'm curious if there's like... Is there like, um, you know, like tests and is there like a curriculum you're going through? Well, the curriculum is the main text. And I know okay. the the workbook is it's a 365 days. It's like Jesus. a lesson per day kind of thing. OK, yeah, I would like to listen. to Dylan, that. do you have any stories about A Course in Miracles in your days of uh, AA and all that? Not really. Just I, it was popular amongst AA okay. people. There were a lot of people who organized A Course in Miracles study groups and stuff like that. Uh, I wasn't really, at the time, I wasn't very familiar with what it was. I just knew it was a kind of new agey thing. Okay. Um, and, you know, it was keeping people sober. So, hey, that's yeah. that's the first rule. Stay sober. If there's if, the, if it's keeping you sober, it has a little bit of utility. So, hey. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, definitely. What about you, Brent? What did you learn here? There's a lot oh, uh, to learn. So. Literally or given, sorry, what were you one. given? I was given. I hope you actually did a lot of unlearning because unlearning is good. I learned that as that's well. That's true. Oh, wait, um, I learned that unlearning is good? Oh, you shit. You have to understand, too. No. You know, I was brought up, obviously everybody knows this now, I was brought up very strict like evangelical, so I had to unlearn all that to also get just, I had to reel back my Jesus, let's just say that, to get him down to just a very <laughs> fine point, you know, because I need to just see through his eyes uh, being tortured to death. But um, other than that, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really think I learned or even really soaked in really more than just a phrase or two here and there. So <laughs> I don't know. What about you, Dylan? What did you, what did you even? Honestly, the thing that was fun up? for me was actually how similar A Course of Miracles is to Parmenides. I thought that was kind of fun. Mm. Like literally he has the whole what is, is, and what is not, is not stuff. And the stuff about time is an illusion and change is an illusion. He's got a lot of these ideas. It's like a new age, hippy dippy Parmenides. So it was kind of cool to, to see that. I think the only explanation is that he was taking dictation from Jesus as well. I think that that's... Maybe, or maybe <laughs> yeah, that's he, was he was dictating to Shuckman. Oh. And she was oh. she just misheard Jesus, and it was actually mm. Parmenides. <laughs> that's good. I like that as a theory. I do too. Indeed. And so that, again, is our episode on Marianne Williamson and A Course in Miracles. 
And with that, we are done. listening to none dare call it ordinary you can find us on twitter at ndcio instagram at none dare call it ordinary and send us an email at none dare call it ordinary at gmail.com for only one dollar a month you can become a patron at patreon.com slash none dare call it ordinary for information on all our episodes as well as links to our youtube channel and discord server head over to our website at none dare call it ordinary.com as always we ask that you please rate review and subscribe on itunes or wherever your podcasts are served